I believe there's a hero in all of us. You have great powers, only some of which you have yet discovered. I'm a superhero, Mama. A real-life superhero. The world needs extraordinary. We'll make you a superhero. Are you ready to become a hero? Initiating surprise in three. This two is one. The Real Brian Show. It's The Real Brian Show. Welcome back. Happy New Year. 2017 already. Can you believe this? It's crazy. Hope you had an amazing Christmas and New Year's and uh, all of that good stuff. Great holidays. Today, I am doing a shorter episode because of the holidays, but I just had to come back because you know what? I love this show and I love doing it. It's so much fun. So today, going to have a chat with a friend of mine who owns a great harvest bread franchise. If you've ever heard of that, as well as, as always, going to talk about a bunch of different stuff because I, you know, why not? <laughs> I have a lot of things I want to talk about, including giving somebody a chance in life. Hey, dude, that's my line. All right. Well, just like Groot said, let's rock it. A new year and uh well, still a new show. Let's call it that. It's still relatively new, but it's The Real Brian Show, and I'm The Real Brian, and thank you for joining me. I have a lot planned for this year here on The Real Brian Show. I mean, it's going to be insane, out of control, crazy, because, uh, you know, we're just going to we're gonna go all out. Well, <laughs> should I promise that? Maybe not. Maybe that's a bad idea. <laughs> oh, man. Well, thank you again for joining me. It's good to have you along here. I, You know, I really do appreciate it. And you know what? I was going to say this to, to say thank you as well for those of you who have joined me on the Real Brian Show Facebook group. And that's something that I would love to continue to grow up a little bit more, you know, because let's face it, I've OK, the holidays, things got a little crazy and, you know, no worries, right? It's what it is. But I didn't get a chance to really kind of push that forward as much as I would like to. So that's what we're going to start doing right now, getting that conversation going. So I would love to get talking with you on the Facebook group, there's a little bit more interaction there, you know, because right now I'm just kind of doing the talking to you, but I'd love for you to talk to me as well. It would be a lot of fun. So join the Facebook group. Links are in the show notes, facebook.com slash groups slash real Brian show. And speaking of social media, okay, this is starting to drive me crazy a little bit. And, and, and maybe, maybe it's more that I'm torn on social media right now, but it was really interesting I had to bring this one up because it's one of those moments that you kind of sit back and you go, hmm, <laughs> interesting. Over Christmas, you know, we're hanging out with my parents. And of course, you know, they're less in the social media generation, you know, than than most of us are. Uh, I mean, they still use social media, but not as much, right? And and I, it's funny. It's so funny. They still have a landline and they're getting landline phone calls, you know, regularly people calling, hey, what's up? Let's get together. Let's do this. And I thought, my gosh, like hardly anyone calls me on the phone anymore. It is a rarity that anybody actually calls me up and was like, hey, man, what's up? Let's get together. Let's do something. You know, if if anything, it's a text or a message or something, right? But I got to think about that. And, you know, people are just kind of doing a lot of face-to-face, a lot of my parents and their friends and all that, which good stuff, right? But I got to thinking about how many, how many people that I'm doing a lot of face-to-face stuff with versus you know, online social media stuff. And, and I know, I mean, I've brought this up in other 
podcasts that I've done in the past. I don't know if it was here on the show or on ProfitCast or whatever. It got me thinking a little bit because I mean, yes, I know people talk about it, but it got me thinking in this idea of like, I would rather have more face-to-face interaction if possible, right? You know, for those of you who live in a different state or country, that's a, that's a different story, but I like social media for those reasons. You know, if it weren't for social media, if it weren't for podcasting, I wouldn't have some of the, the friendships that I have right now. So I am super thankful for that. But if you live five minutes from me, dude, don't Facebook me, call me, let's get together, let's do something. You know what I mean? So I just kind of like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I'm torn. I really am. And I, I still do like Facebook, especially for Messenger and for the groups, because to me, that's where the conversations are at. I'm not, a, I don't know. I'm not one of those people who likes to just post all about me on my Facebook page, you know, like, hey, look at what I'm doing and hey, look how cool I am and check out this awesome picture about what I'm doing right now. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I just not this. This is my way of telling you what's going on is getting behind the microphone and doing a podcast, man. A podcast is so much better when there's interaction. Like, I don't want it to just be about me talking to you. I want it to be about us talking together. And yeah, that's social media as well. But I just do less on the actual written word sort of thing and more on the audio sort of thing. That's just what I do. And I may look into doing some video stuff at some point. Yeah, Facebook's still okay with me on that. And, and, and most of my interactions are taking place on Facebook. But there's a couple interactions that are happening on Twitter and that's it. Granted, I, I do see that Twitter is a great place to, uh, you know, either meet people or first interact with people that you might have tried to interact with and, and you wouldn't be able to on, on Facebook unless you'd already connected. So I can see that, you know, somebody follows you on Twitter. You're like, oh, yeah, that's a great one. Or, you know, I follow this person on Twitter because, you know, I can right? you know, like, like, for example, I got connected with Nicholas McCarthy, who was on the last episode of The Real Brian Show. I got connected with him over Twitter. The rest is history. So had I not done that, I would never have had him on the show and we would have never been inspired by his incredible story. I I do see the benefits to, to, you know, being on Twitter for reasons like that, but I don't see a lot of interaction necessarily happening on Twitter as much as I do on Facebook. So I've been debating, do I keep my Twitter account active? And I think I just answered my own question by saying, well, if it weren't for Twitter, I wouldn't have, you know, had Nicholas on the show. So, okay. Yeah, I guess I should keep the Twitter account active, but my question is, is how effective is Twitter anymore? Is it great to just connect with certain people, interact, and then move over to Facebook and connect better with them or on text or in person or whatever? I don't know. What do you what do you think about this? I really am sort of getting torn on social media. There are a lot of benefits to social media, but I'm really starting to see that there are actually a lot of detriments to social media now. And I don't know. I don't know. Some of you I know are like, yeah, come on. I'm totally with you. And some of you are like, well, I don't know. I don't, no, I don't get it. You're wrong, Brian. You're wrong. (sighs) All right. Christmas, New Year's, all that good times during the holidays. It was awesome. It was so nice. We actually took 10 days off. And the last time I took 10 days off was in April when I took a month-long sabbatical. Now, some of you don't know I did that. It was incredible. I've never taken a sabbatical in my life. And I decided that, you know, at the end of March, I was like, okay, I'm fried. (laughs) It's just, it was a lot of stuff going on. I took a month off, completely shut everything out. It was kind of a crazy risk and it was incredible. And so one of the things I was running into is that I was working 60 to 90 hour weeks, you know, just because, right? You got to work. You got to, you got to make ends meet. You got to produce, you got to do whatever. And I got to the point where I started to evaluate 
of the actual hours I was working, what was the return on those hours? You know, whether it was actual paid hours, you know, like, like I worked for a client or I did something that generated some kind of a monetary return or whatever, or something that generated an actual return on uh, like content. So for example, with the real Brian show, if you like this episode, if you like this show and you know, you're benefiting from it, you're being encouraged or whatever, right? Then that's a good return on my time. So I started looking at that and I, and I realized that, oh, gosh, something around like a third of the hours that I was working was actually producing at least an acceptable or better return. Two thirds of my time or something like that was really me either spinning my wheels or working for work's sake just to work because got to work, right? And even though I look back and I went, maybe I don't need to work. So it was interesting because I haven't had that kind of time off really. I mean, we, we went to Yellowstone in August, which was awesome. We took time off, uh, but we were busy. So I wasn't really evaluating some stuff. But over Christmas, we took more downtime and I did a little bit more evaluation on, okay, so I took my sabbatical. I learned all these things I implemented. And did I hold true through December or did I revert to some bad habits? And I reverted to some bad habits and started working for work's sake again. And I'm like, dang it. Ugh. So kind of a renewed sense of clarity once again. And then, of course, some other things realized, which was great. But just kind of that reminder. Yeah. You know what? Do the work that produces the results that we need. All of us. And then enjoy time off. Enjoy time with people. It was so funny. I was having a conversation with a friend of ours. Well, actually, my parents were like, let's play pickleball. For those of you who have played pickleball, you understand. If you don't, then uh, look it up. It's an interesting sport. Anyway, these uh, these friends are, are uh, parents of my, air quotes, sister, and air quotes, Kim, and talking about all the stuff they had to do. They got to unpack, you know, do laundry, blah, blah, blah. You know, oh my gosh, we shouldn't be here right now. And I get it, right? There's always always stuff to do. And I'm thinking, ah, yeah, I know. I So I get it. You know, you're, you're kind of overwhelmed with the uh, amount of tasks. But I just had this moment where I was like, you know, there's always going to be work. There's always going to be work. That'll never end There will always be something to do. You're never going to finish your list, but you're never going to get time with people back. You don't take it now. It won't happen. And that's the one thing I hear from millionaires, billionaires, and all the successful people in the world. Time is the one thing you can't get back. And in that moment, we both kind of had that like, oh yeah, huh? (laughs) that's true. We need to enjoy the time we have with people and just hanging out because, hey, that's valuable. Time's valuable, right? But great Christmas, great New Year's. I hope you had a great Christmas and New Year's, and uh, or if you celebrated something else, I hope you had a great time with that. But something interesting. So I celebrate Christmas, right? Almost everybody this year was saying Merry Christmas to me. And like the last few years, it was Happy Holidays, Seasons Greetings. What was it? Happy, Merry, Happy or something. I, that was a weird one. Merry, Merry or Merry, Happy. And I'm like, what does that even mean? <laughs> that, doesn't even, that doesn't even say anything. <laughs> I loved that one, but I got a lot of people saying Merry Christmas this year. Are we kind of fed up with the political correctness? Is, is that what's going on? I know I am. I'm, I'm fed up with political correctness. I've said it. I'm, I'm very politically incorrect. As you know, I do believe in respecting someone else. So absolutely am I there to respect someone, but political correctness, pff, so over it, man. That was so like, what, 2008? <laughs> Oh my gosh. Anyway, I just want to say thank you though. For those of you who wish me Merry Christmas, I appreciate it. Now, if you celebrate Hanukkah, I'm going to be like, hey, tell me that. I'm going to, I'm going to wish you a happy Hanukkah. I'm not going to wish you a Merry Christmas if you celebrate Hanukkah. Anyway, though, thanks. Appreciate it. Interesting. As I'm recording this right now, it is snowing. It is beautiful. Winter wonderland, incredible. And I mean, we're supposed to get like a foot of snow or something. Who knows? We might get, you know, 
two feet or eight feet or an inch, right? It's Colorado. We have no idea what's going to happen here. We just take it as it comes, but I love it. But one thing I cannot stand, I know people who love this, but I hate wind and I'm not talking breeze, right? If there's a nice breeze or whatever, that's nice. That's, that's precious, right? But when it's 75 mile an hour, consistent winds with gusts higher than that, ladies and gentlemen, that is a class one hurricane, (laughs) but they don't call it that in Colorado. Oh no. Oh no. High wind warning is what we call it here. (laughs) I hate wind. (laughs) Just, oh my gosh. Oh, it's so stressful. You walk outside and it's like, you literally can't move. You know, I mean, I saw small children blowing down the road and parents running after them. I hate wind. I hate it. What, what is it with 75 mile an hour consistent winds? What good does that do? Oh, it blows the pollution away. Pollution was blown away like, you know, there's not, there's not even air left. It's gone. But I like snow. I like precipitation. Rain, snow, wonderful. Love it. Dry, cold wind, though. Okay, I'm weird on this one, and I know most of you are going to disagree with me here. But when it's cold, it needs to be more humid. Because for me, humidity is sort of like a proverbial blanket because my skin loves the humidity, you know, and so it's kind of just, it's comforting, right? But when it's dry, all of the humidity and all of the water protection that comes with the humidity is gone, and my skin allows the cold through to the bone, and I feel like I'm going to die. I actually like humid cold better, and yet almost everybody I know thinks that humid cold is colder. So let me ask you this. Do you think that humid cold truly is colder or are you just agreeing with everyone else? Okay. So speaking of cold, some of you living in a winter wonderland right now are like, dude, I got to get out of here, right? Where would you like to go for vacation? This is something I was thinking about last year. I did a lot of trips. Most of them were business and stuff like that. And I thought it was hilarious too, because I did heroes and villains and I did some conferences and then we visited family and everywhere we and friends too. everywhere we went. was a cold destination in the middle of the cold season. Oops. So like, hey, went to Chicago, went to Secaucus in January. During snowpocalypse, by the way. Went to Chicago in March. Went to Minneapolis in November. Loved going to those locations. Had a great time, by the way. But can we maybe go to like those places in the summer and go to like uh, Jamaica or St. Thomas or Hawaii in the winter? I mean, wouldn't that make a little bit more sense? Is it me? What I anyway, so I'm I'm thinking about vacations. St. Thomas, wouldn't that be cool? I'd love to go to Hawaii. I, I in fact I would love to go to like Australia, New Zealand too. That would be kind of fun. Warm destinations, wouldn't that be fun? You know, during the winter or like Phoenix, that's always nice. Let me just ask you this. And, and I want some responses here. What's your next your next ideal or even dream destination that you'd like to go to and how can you make that a reality? Let me know. All right, holidays, I told you that uh, we were looking for a way to gain as much weight as possible between the last episode and, and, you know, through New Year's. How did you do? How many pounds did you gain? Anybody uh, top 100? Anybody? Anybody? Bueller? So I actually really didn't try to do that, um, but we did eat a lot of glorious food and probably uh, foods that, you know, we shouldn't have eaten. Okay, okay, I'll share some with you. Yeah, I have to. So first of all, I like donuts and I rarely eat donuts, but there is this gluten-free donut shop that we found out about 
and I've mentioned before that my mom's celiac. We found out about this place. We go in there and uh, one of the ladies is from Cambodia and I'm not quite sure where the other one is from. We get in there and, and it's a very Asian style and these donuts are glorious looking. I mean, they're beautiful. They look fresh. It smells wonderful in there. And we say, I love this. I, I, see, this is, this is the thing. I love languages. And we say, do you have any gluten-free donuts? And she goes, we have special donut. We make special donut. And I'm like, that is awesome. Yes, they do make gluten-free. They, they were telling us eventually, you know, like what they put in them and stuff. But um, gluten-free equals special donuts. I love it. They look good, but they can't taste good. Gluten-free donut, really? So they said, no, no, really, you know, try a sample. Um, and so we said, yeah, sure. And they'll, they'll give us like a little donut hole and you can try and all that. So my dad's like, well, you know, I, I would like to order these donuts. And we, he ordered like, I think three or four donuts. And then they were putting, you know, donut holes in there to try. Because they're just like, just try it. Just trust us. Try it. Okay, cool. We'll try that donut hole. And then we'll, we'll buy these donuts anyway, though. A bag full of donuts. They kept stuffing more donuts. And it was so funny. And then at the end, they said, no, 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 it's on the house. Go try it. Come back. Wow. Who does that, by the way? Who does that? Very cool. Very generous. So all gluten-free. Bite into this donut. First of all, did not taste gluten-free. Tasted like a regular donut. Second of all, among some of the best donuts that I have ever had. Now, if you listen to the episode with Amy Gumenek, we talked about Psycho Donuts in San Jose and how amazing Psycho Donuts was. This was on par with Psycho Donuts. Now, it didn't have all the crazy you know, like Oreo uh, cream cheese frosting. Like it wasn't like all the crazy. These were more traditional style donuts, Um, you know, like old fashioned pumpkin, old fashioned long johns, all that good stuff. But oh my gosh, they were so, so good. And they were actually gluten free. It was amazing. In our family, we realized, and and I think I talked about this with Martin that, you know, we just kind of like whatever with Turkey, Turkey, whatever. Did a Christmas prime rib this year for Christmas Eve dinner. Oh my gosh. Beautiful. And then we have a Christmas morning tradition where it's an egg casserole. It's very good, by the way. Sausage, usually assorted homemade gluten-free breads. And then uh, we have this old tradition that's not gluten-free. It's full-on crap, chemicals, bad stuff. It's basically pull-apart bread or some people call it monkey bread. You know, it's like the rolls and it's got the butterscotch pudding and the butter and the sugar and nothing good for you in it. Oh, it was glorious. And then, of course, as you know, I roast coffee. So, you know, we did some Hawaiian and Ethiopian and Chinese coffees over Christmas. We roasted those. And then, uh, as you know, a big tea fan. There's this uh, new tea that we found out about. It's called the marzipan rooibos tea, which has like almond and almond pieces and stuff like that in there. Oh, my gosh. Lots of incredible desserts. And I had a, a thing, too. We went to a coffee shop that has a uh, they called it a pumpkin pie latte. And I thought, OK, whatever. But it's espresso, chai, eggnog and milk dude health food hello so good for you (laughs) uh but for new year's eve i made a concoction because uh you know you guys know that i don't drink alcohol personally and so i was looking for something that would just be kind of a fun drink and my mom's like do something with cranberry in it and i thought i don't know what i'm not like a bartender but here i'm gonna try something i'm gonna have a little fun here cranberry juice which by the way if you've ever had is very tart and i thought well you're gonna need like some apple juice to cut it a little bit um, I wasn't getting it there. I didn't want to add any sugar and I was trying to figure out what else to do. So I, I did this cranberry juice, lime, like fresh lime juice, spiced cider, which I think I told you about last episode where I do that, that apple cider that I spice and then sparkling water and based on, you know, the proportions to make it right so that it's sweet enough that it's an enjoyable drink, but at the same time, it's still, you know, just a good round flavor. It worked. It worked. 
So uh, there you go. But now I'm back um, being a little bit more intentional about what I eat because I had so much good food that uh, now it's time to make sure that I'm drinking lots of water and tea and black coffee and good food. <laughs> a little less sugar. Good time. So I hope you had a good time too. And I'm curious, like if you have any traditional foods, because I know Martin and I talked about this and then bringing this stuff up. Any any cool foods or drinks or anything like that that you had? Come on, we got to share some recipes here. Have some fun. All right. Now, another thing that I love about Christmas, but also just in general is music. I, man, I listened to so much Christmas music over, you know, December. It was great. And yes, I still have uh, some Christmas music in my mix, but you know, if you find me and you want to follow my Shadow 514 mix, that's my current up-to-date mix. In fact, I actually added a few new songs recently, been working on some new stuff. I like to discover music. And sometimes it's, you know, whether it's top 40 or not, I don't really care. It's just what's good. And so what I do with this mix is that I've got stuff that I'm currently listening to or new music that I want to, you know, see if I like and kind of work through and that kind of thing. And then, you know, if it if I like it, if I'm you know, kind of tired of it and it goes into the whole classic list. Then it goes into the shadows 514 mix full. I know that makes no sense. I should probably change the name, but that's like everything that I've been adding over the last year or two stuff. I keep stuff. I want to go back to listen to later, but it's not brand new necessarily. So a couple of artists that have, um, you know, put out some, some newer music that I'm enjoying or even remixes of their stuff. Icon for hire or great rock band, by the way, 21 pilots. You probably heard of them. Ruel. Now, if you've ever heard of Ruel, um, for those of you who ever watched the TV show, Shannara Chronicles, she did the theme that they used for, uh, you know, the, the main title theme. And I loved that so much. I'm like, who did this? Found that song. She's put out some new music. I just love her voice though. It's so different. Viridia also wonderful. Um, shell and that's S H E L. It's a local Colorado group. Actually, I guess folk band would be the right way to put it. They did a really interesting folk version of Enter Sandman by Metallica. It's hard for me to like a remake, especially something like that. Um, but it's so different that it's, it's, oh, I just love it. It's awesome. But anyway, I could go on. There's, there's so much music on there. I want to say thank you very much to all of you for your friendships, for listening to the show. I really am so thankful for friendships that I built, you know, long-term ones, and even ones that, um, as I mentioned earlier, you know, through podcasting, through social media, you know, people that I've met from other states and countries. So amazing. So thank you so much for your friendships. And uh, it really does mean a lot. And, and I'm a huge, huge fan of friends. <laughs> so I just wanted to say thanks. All right. Saw Rogue One again over Christmas. We talked about it last time, so I'm not going to go into details, but I actually did like it a little bit better this time. And I caught a little bit more of the dialogue of the story that was going on in the first third. And, and I understand now that the reason I think I was struggling with it the first time is that they are throwing so many things at you. It seems like anyway, or maybe it's just done in a way that's a little bit overwhelming. I'm not quite sure because it's not like the story is very complex. Just feels like they're throwing a lot at you in the first third of the movie. And this time I was like, Oh, I I picked up on stuff. I I missed the first time and I was like, Oh, that makes more sense. So I liked it better. Even that first third of the movie and all I, but I got to tell you, I still was not a fan of the uh, gin character slash Felicity Jones playing it. And I don't know what it was. Is Was it that she just wasn't acting it well? I don't know. It was it was literally like she was super stiff in the first half of the movie. Whatever. It was so weird, though. I just felt like she was forcing the acting in the first half of the movie or the character wasn't written well or something. But by the second half, it felt natural. It was great. I loved her character all the way to the end. So crazy. I, I don't know. Whatever. It is what it is, right? But great movie. 
worth watching. We watched an older movie. I think this came out last year, Concussion, about a true story, the whole football one where they're, uh, you know, they discovered that getting hit in football causes possible brain damage and other things. The CTE is what they called it, I think. Wow, what an interesting movie in many ways. Makes me kind of think about football a little differently. TV show that uh, I kind of ran across, which was interesting. It was actually a recommendation from my cousin, Adam. He told me about Man in the High Castle and I've seen it, never watched it. I mean, you know, seen it around advertising, that kind of thing. So watch the first episode. Interesting. But it's the premise of if the allies had lost World War II and the Nazis and Imperial Japan had won, you know, what it would be like. It's very interesting. Now, for those of you who uh, live in Germany or Japan, you might be thinking, we're the allies. Hello. Didn't really think about it from that perspective, but good first episode of that show. I haven't watched any further. If you've seen it, I'd be curious to know your thoughts. All right. So I have a little bit more to talk about before I do that, though. I wanted to have a chat with a friend of ours. Her name is Julie Damschroeder, entrepreneur in Colorado, and she owns a great harvest bread company franchise also here in Colorado, specifically in the city of Fort Collins. Now, Julie has an interesting story. It's kind of cool. She used to be a very successful lawyer, gave all of that up to bake bread. And I thought, I got to hear your story. It's cool because she's got such a passion for bread and baking in general. It's very inspiring. It's fascinating. And you know what? Come on. Bread is glorious. And the stuff they make. Oh, my gosh. Oh, now I did this one on location. I thought this would be kind of fun. So I actually went to her great harvest bread location in Fort Collins to talk with her. Um, I thought it would be a lot of fun to do this. It, you know, rather than just having her call in on Skype or whatever, uh, you know, actually go there and get all the noise in the background and you can hear what's going on. And, you know, in my case, I got to smell and taste the bread, which I'm, I'm sorry, I can't pass that on to you. So mic quality is not normal studio quality. And we were actually at that. I had a really jacked up um, setup that I have since fixed. But at the time I did this and I was passing the mic back and forth. So I tried to clean that up as much as I could. But I, I wanted to do this because For those of you who have heard of the city of Fort Collins, there's a lot of really up and coming stuff going on, a lot of entrepreneurial things going on and some very cool stories and cool people that I've, uh, you know, either I knew or I've heard about and I wanted to interview some of these people and I'm going to be doing a, not a series per se, but I've got a few other interviews coming up of, of some people that are local in Colorado that I thought would be kind of fun to do. So this one would be great. Julie from Great Harvest Bread Company. I'm excited. We actually get to do this on location. So you're going to get the background noise and all the fun stuff. You get to hear things. I just wish you could smell this place because it smells so good right now. Julie, welcome to The Real Brian Show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So what are we smelling right now? Uh, We are smelling uh, like a cornucopia of different breads. We have um, probably smelling a little garlic, a little Guinness and Gouda. We got some pretzels, some shredded garlic pretzels out of the oven. We have some spiced pecan for our chicken salad sandwiches. I think you're smelling that too. Just honey, whole wheat. There's all kinds of things. Yeah, the Guinness and Gouda. I, I forgot Thursdays were the day. And here we are Thursday recording this. And I'll tell you what, this uh, this is one of my favorite. Br- I have two favorite breads here, and that's Guinness and Gouda. Let me explain this. So it's cooked with Guinness, and there's chunks of smoked Gouda in it. And uh, anybody that likes cheese like I do, it's just absolutely glorious. And then there's the cinnamon burst swirl, which is my, oh my gosh. Did you come up with these ideas? No, uh, Great Harvest is actually a freedom franchise. And so uh, these are recipes from them, but we do, do, we do make our own. We, do, we can make anything we want. So whatever you want, we can make. Nice. Okay, so if we had some crazy ideas like hamburger cheesecake. 
You bet we could do it, but you'd have to order seven of them. <laughs> okay, never mind then. But yeah, tell us a little bit more about what this is for you, what you're doing, and kind of how you got into this. We'll go from there. Okay, well, I am a lawyer by education and trade, and I got a little tired of sitting at a desk, and I thought, what do I love to do? I love food. I love to bake, and I was living in Illinois at the time, and I asked a baker, a Great Harvest owner, if I could bake for him just to see if I liked it, and I just fell in love with it. And the great thing about Great Harvest is a freedom franchise, which I can sum up and you know, sum up the contract five different bullet points, is I have to grind my wheat, I have to buy my wheat from them, so which is great because it's the highest quality wheat, and you get it freshly ground every day. We have a stone mill in the back of the bakery, and I have to put out their brochures, put up their sign, and pay them a royalty, which is, yeah, that, that's the only bummer part of it all. But we can make any recipes we want. We can sell anything we want. So we have a lot of local products on the shelf. I have a woman that makes tea. I have another woman that makes aprons. I have another, I have a potter. So we just have a lot of really fun local things that you can buy. That is so cool. Okay, so when you were a lawyer, though, I'm assuming you were making decent money. What kind of law did you practice then, specifically? Well, I did quite a few things. We moved around a lot. So I did find out my spiritual gift after I graduated from law school, and that is taking the bar exam. I took five different bar exams and passed them. I did a lot of different things. I taught labor law up in Napa Valley. I worked for the Department of Labor. I worked for a small niche law firm in New York City. And my best job was the United Nations in Geneva, Switzerland. I was there and I worked on the war reparations against the Iraq for the Iraq war. And then I also worked for Maui Jim Sunglasses. I was their corporate counsel. So you said, you know, you're like, ah, I'm kind of tired, you know, sitting behind the desk and everything like that. But, you know, you were making good money. You had some opportunities and you give it up to go make bread and to become a baker. I mean, what, what was it that was going through your head? You're thinking like, ah, I got to do this. Well, the great thing about baking bread is you become part of the community. And through making bread, I have made so many amazing friends. I mean, my customers and my employees have become my family. And to be able to give back to this fantastic city is an opportunity. We, we like to help with races. We like to help with school projects. You'll see our bread, especially our cinnamon burst dinner rolls, they premiere at a lot of races. I don't know if you've done any 5Ks. But that's where we hand out a lot of bread and we do a lot of slicings. And it's just great to be able to help with all the charities in town. It's a fantastic way for me to be involved with the community. And I get to make a product that I am so proud of. Everything we use in our product is the best quality we can find. We grind, as I said before, we grind our own wheat. It comes from Montana where the protein content is higher. It's called the Golden Triangle up in Montana. So it's the finest wheat you can buy. We use Colorado Honey Company's honey in the bread. It's something I'm so proud of and so passionate about. And I get to make friends and be a part of the community. It couldn't be better. I like to share stories like this, you know, where people have, as I call it, you know, embrace their inner nerds. And I think a lot of people too have this tendency to say, I got to get, I got to make a lot of money, you know, and here you've had an opportunity to do something, you know, where you could make a lot of money and you had an opportunity to, like you said, work for the United Nations and do some stuff like that. But it's like, it's, you know, it really, it, it didn't make a difference like what you're doing right now. And, and I don't think a lot of people really understand that until they go through it. It's interesting you talk about how, the, you know, it's the finest ingredients and stuff. And I've always kind of joked about when I eat certain breads and stuff, if they're lower quality, you know, you kind of get that, oh, feeling or you feel like you're going to pass out from exhaustion or just that sleepiness. And I never get that. 
from Great Harvest Bread. Every time, every time I eat it, I'm going, I don't feel bad. I feel fine, actually, when I eat this bread. So <laughs> you, you must use good ingredients. There is no high fructose corn syrup in this bakery. It's awesome. And you make gluten-free stuff, too, which is also really amazing. My mom's celiac, so we always get it when she's coming out. And that's uh, some of the best gluten-free bread I've ever had. Thank you. We try really hard. There's a, about a thousand ingredients in each loaf of gluten-free bread. So it's always a challenge to make it turn out and taste great. Yeah, I remember when uh, gluten-free you know, first started to become kind of an issue and people said, well, what are we going to do? Substitutes and used to taste like you were eating chalk or cardboard or something like that, and it's come a long ways. So what is it that you, uh, you know, you nerd and geek out about? I'm assuming it's obviously baking of some kind, but what else? You know, or, or go into that a little bit and then talk about some of those things. This is embarrassing, but like on Saturday afternoons when I'm alone at home, I bake. I'm like, if I have not had enough baking at the bakery, I go home. So really, I am a baking nerd. It's, it, that's a little embarrassing. And I also, I nerd out about my dogs. Like, I think everyone in Colorado, we all each at least have one dog, a person. Yeah, if you're a dog person, that's true. That is kind of a Colorado thing. Everybody's got a dog or a, well, I mean, if they have, I saw a cat on a leash the other day. Uh, that doesn't work very well. But uh, I had a friend in high school who used to walk his ferret on a leash. Hey, whatever works, right? No, that's cool. You know, it's it's funny that you mentioned that baking is a, uh, a, a thing you nerd out about because I think that's, to me, that's neat. You know, Sarah actually... She goes home on Sundays and she's like, I just, I just need to bake. It's my therapy. <laughs> so, so was this something that was kind of one of those? I was born this way. <laughs> I started baking as soon as I could. I was at my grandmother's side. She would make uh, bread every week up on the farm in South Dakota and cinnamon rolls. Those German women up there, it was a huge community thing. They would go, she would meet up with her sisters every Friday and they would switch donuts cinnamon rolls and eclairs so life was very good for me back then i started baking then so it's just i think it's genetic now how do you stay fit with all the bread and all the cinnamon rolls and the sugar and the gloriousness and everything else i'm going back to that dog thing i have two dogs and they keep me outside (laughs) you were born a baker by the way what are we hearing in the background that's a slicer so we have to wait for the bread to cool down and when it hits a certain temperature then we can start slicing it and bagging it and we also hear the oven because we're getting ready for a big catering order tomorrow. See, I love this because uh, it, it's the whole sense around thing. You know, you get to hear what's going on and then we get to identify that sound goes with this. <laughs> okay, so you, you knew you were born a baker. You're having fun. You're, you know, you're growing up with this. But um, how did this opportunity come about for you to actually make it into something like a reality for you? Back in 2006, my now friend Carrie was on the cover of Money Magazine. And my husband at the time saw that uh, Money Magazine Fort Collins was the number one place in the United States to live. So we said, we're moving there. Because we had lived in Switzerland, and so we both wanted to get back to the mountains. And so Fort Collins seemed like a really good fit. And at that point, I knew I wanted a bakery. So I kept calling Great Harvest, the franchising office, and saying, ask those people in Fort Collins if they'll sell their bakery. Ask those people in Fort Collins if they'll sell their bakery. I probably called them every day for a month, asking them to do this. I I was a little tenacious, I guess. And Finally, they called, and they said they'd sell it. So that's how it came about. We got the bakery. We turned it around within six weeks. I think we, from the offer to being in the bakery, it happened very rapidly. October 1st was my ninth anniversary. And so it's, it's been a crazy fun ride. That's incredible. So you, well, I love that. You were tenacious about it. I think uh, some people would consider calling, you know, everyday annoyance. But I think that's a good thing because... <laughs> I think in everything, you're going to get a lot of no's. 
you said you've got certain things that you have to do from a franchise standpoint, but you're allowed to be creative and make whatever you want. Which recipes did you come up with? Some, some of the popular ones. Every day we make a spinach Asiago roll-up. And before we did sandwiches, that was kind of our answer to the sandwich. And so we make that every day, and that's become hugely popular. It's very garlicky and delicious. And then some customers have given us uh, recipes that they wanted us to make. So we do a really nice glutenless scone made out of almond milk that one of our customers gave us. We do a pumpkin cranberry orange that somebody turned us on to. And then we will tweak a lot of the Great Harvest recipes. For instance, our pecan swirl has twice the pecans as everyone else's. Our blueberry cream cheese swirl has twice the cream cheese as the recipe calls for. So, and our high-fi fiber actually has eight grams of fiber, not five grams of fiber in each slice. So if you need any fiber, that's the good way to go. It's delicious. One of my favorite breads. So we'll take a recipe and we will just, we will make it a super bread. We're just trying to meet the needs of the community. You know, one thing I do appreciate about your breads too is, um, and this is, it's interesting because, you know, when you think of like, for example, the cinnamon swirl, cinnamon burst swirl, you think, okay, yeah, there's going to be cinnamon in it or it's going to taste kind of cinnamony. And it's not until you get into it that you've got this gooey mass of whatever, brown sugar, cinnamon, butter or something like that. Am I, am I on the right track here? Okay, good. <laughs> and it's, oh my gosh, I, we actually took it over to, um, to a little dinner. Anyway, we were just sitting there just kind of drooling over the whole thing. And I think we ate three quarters of the loaf, four of us, which actually it was only three of us. So that's a bad thing. Um, but it was really worth it, you know? And then with your, for example, the Guinness, I'm just, you know, naming out the two I, I kind of geek out about the Guinness and the Gouda though. It's like, you know, you'd think there's going to be cheese flavor or maybe a little bit of Gouda. It's not until you realize there's a half a chunk of Gouda, you know, that you just bite into and you're going, wow, like you're really not holding back on this. So I'm assuming you're still making profits and your margins are good and everything like that. But my goodness, I, as a customer, I'm really happy. Yeah, we're doing fine. And the thing is, I really want to be consistent with the bread. I always wanted to make Brian geek out about it. And with the cinnamon burst swirl, I will tell you, some people I can tell that they're going to be weak about it. And I tell them that when they take that first bite of cinnamon burst swirl, that their souls will belong to me. <laughs> so I just give them a warning. I give them a little, you know, contract to sign, a release of liability for their soul because that bread is so addictive and it makes them best French toast. The cinnamon swirl gets all gooey. Oh. What's amazing too is it's completely healthy for you. And, uh, oh yeah, it's just like water. Um, <laughs> it's funny. I do a lot of traveling and I'll go to these different places and, I was in a, a town in California. So, you know, Sarah is a, she's trying to be as vegan as possible. And, uh, you know, when I was starting to ask about vegetarian and vegan options, people are kind of giving me this like, huh? And I thought, oh my gosh. <laughs> you know? Or like, do you have any local coffee? Huh? We have Starbucks, you know, and stuff, which is fine. But you start to really get spoiled in places like Fort Collins where you have all of the local stuff. Uh, now, let me ask you this. So Great Harvest is, uh, is it a nationwide franchise if you were in let's say one of the other cities you used to live in would you have the opportunities there that you have here as far as being able to do what you do yes i would the thing is the good thing and the bad thing for depending on how you look at it with great harvest is my great harvest is going to be different so you're not going to get the same breads as you would say in ohio we are like i have to tell you the cinnamon burst swirl and the pumpkin chocolate chip capital of the universe i'm quite sure of it so you, you do cater to your town's taste it's a great thing but i guess you could be disappointed if you know you came from like ohio and they had some ohio bread that we just don't wouldn't carry so it's good and bad 
you're in the community here. You support a lot of people. You help a lot of people. You do a lot of, obviously, supply and catering. Talk about that a little bit, get a little more in depth as far as, you know, the local community and how you've had an impact to really be a, a huge impact on, I'm going to call it the world around us, you know, but this is your community. This is your, your place. I have to say, and that's one of the things I do love is because this affords me such an opportunity to help other people in the community because I feel like I have been blessed beyond measure. Getting to run the bakery, getting to know the people here, it's just such a blessing to me. And the thing is to be able to turn around and help the community. And this is, I have to say, the most generous community I have ever lived in. So for an example of how I can pay back is December, the first Saturday in December, I'm not sure the date, it might be the 5th, Sears Trussell will be doing a breads and boards and I'm helping, I'll be there slicing bread and I plan on giving away a thousand uh, free loaves of honey whole wheat at that event. Last year, that event raised $40,000 for the Food Bank of Larimer County. It is a huge day and it's a fun day and I mean, that's one way I get to be a part of the community because who, I can't stand the thought of children being hungry. It just, that's just wrong. So to be able to help uh, the food bank is huge to me. Another thing about, I love about my great harvest is nothing here goes to waste. So if we have leftover dough, we bake it. If, you know, if it's not enough for a loaf, we, we clump them all together and we bake a loaf of bread. Or if we have leftover bread off like the cutting board, the end of the evening because you always as you know you can always come and get a free slice of bread you get to try everything there's no gamble at this bakery you can taste it and then if you want to buy it you can but those loaves we um save for a guy that has rescue horses and then whatever if we have bread left over that unfortunately wasn't sold then the food bank or the salvation army comes and gets it and the rescue mission comes and gets it one day nothing goes to waste and somebody's going to enjoy this bread because the bread, while we don't sell it for more than 24 hours, it's great bread the last seven to 10 days. So somebody else can eat it and enjoy it. And that makes me very happy. So I'm, you know, it's just, there's so many different ways that Great Harvest gets to be a part of this fantastic community and help charities. It's phenomenal. That's incredible. Now, is this a, is this a Great Harvest wide sort of encouragement that they have, or is it something that you personally? I believe all the Great Harvest owners, you know, we we are very vetted before they will. They just won't let anyone have a Great Harvest, and so I do believe generosity is a huge part of our spirit here. We all believe that we need to give back to the community. So I don't. Great Harvest doesn't really tell us to do charity events, but I I think most owners do, just because. It's so rewarding. That's incredible. I love that. And I think that's something that I've, I've noticed about Great Harvest, you know, throughout the years is just the generosity and, and how much you do get involved and help others. And and that's incredible about the not letting anything go to waste because I observe so many times you'll go into a restaurant or, you know what I mean, where you get to go and you get to see the food and prepared and stuff and they mess it up and they just throw it all away and you're going, no, I don't care if it looks bad. Like, just don't waste that food. And, and a lot of times too, where you'll see, you know, I used to work in food years ago and I used to just watch people throw food away by like, I mean, way too much. And, and well, we can't sell it tomorrow. Can you give it to somebody? Oh, we're not allowed to. I thought, how are you not allowed to give it away? I mean, what a waste. And there are so many people out there that are hungry. There is nothing wrong with this food. I don't care if it looks good or not. Just give it to people that need it. And I think that's neat. So again, is that something that Great Harvest encourages or mandates? Or is that something you've done personally? Great Harvest would never 
tell you what to do with your leftover bread. But I do believe most, the great harvest that I know, and those are the ones mainly on the front range, you know, Boulder, Longmont, uh, Denver, Cheyenne, Colorado Springs. I believe all of them do that. I mean, we get together probably once a year and we just talk, we kick around new ideas and all of those owners are fantastic and they would, I believe none of them would let anything go to waste. Well, I love that. And you, you've had an opportunity to get out there and do your thing. And obviously you, you are happy, which is great. One more thing. So we give away free slices at the breadboard. So if you come in, you're going to get a free slice of bread. And a lot of people, just that makes a difference in their day. And I know a lot of parents will bring in their children after they go to the doctor <laughs> or the dentist and they get their slice. And then I just feel like even that I'm making a difference in someone's day. And I cannot tell you how many people I have cried with in that lobby. They've come in. You know, bread is a huge comfort food. And, you know, they'll come in and they'll tell me that, you know, their dog has died. They just put their dog down. We're hugging and crying or, you know, even worse, you know, a family member has passed away. And for me to be able to help someone through that, it's fantastic for me to be, I mean, it's hard. I'm crying with them. So it's sad. But on the flip side, I know that I have given them comfort even through a hug um, and a slice of bread. And what could be better or more easy? You know, what's neat about that, though, is that, you know, it's so simple. And a lot of times, you remember when uh, Chick-fil-A used to give away samples when they were in the, oh, you don't remember that? Oh my gosh. You know, if you were, when they were in the malls, that's, that's what they used to do. They'd be standing outside with this plate and they would, yeah, Chick-fil-A would be giving away free samples of chicken. And I'd be like, this is great. They don't do that anymore. Maybe they don't need to. Um, I don't know why they do. Well, they're not in malls anymore either. So that's probably different. But you know that again, it's this idea of here's something free from a business standpoint, draws you in, makes you feel like you need to buy something, of course. But at the same time, it's still such a great gesture. I love it. Every employee, is, we teach people how to slice. No wimpy slices. You have to give a good inch. We want you to know you've had a piece of bread. You know, when I go in, I, I think, okay, I'm going to get a little tiny piece of bread. You know, the first time, of course. And I got like a half a well, not really a half a loaf, but you know what I mean? It feels like it's such a big slice. And I thought, wow, that's a really generous thing, you know? And you feel like I mean, I, I honestly feel like I need to buy something, even though I do anyway. But you know what I mean? Like, I think it's a good business practice. But I think more than anything is it's a very generous thing because, you know, it's it's free. And some people don't buy stuff, of course. And that's fine. That's the cost. Well, we look at it. I guess one way you can look at it is that people who are buying bread don't always get a slice. So the next guy who comes in and just gets a slice, they're getting the guy that bought the bread slice. I do not lose money on the slices. Giving the, Giving the bread away is just a joy to all to me and my employees it's just it's just fun and i know i did read some marketing on this uh maybe a month ago like costco because they give all the samples away you know i didn't realize this but getting free stuff uh does guilt people <laughs> i had no idea i just thought we were giving slices away <laughs> no, no guilt at great harvest okay people no guilt just come and get a slice well and it's funny you know speaking of costco I don't usually buy a lot of that stuff because it's like, nah, I, would, I wouldn't need it. Yeah, they usually give away samples of really low-quality stuff. Yeah, processed. And I'm like, ah, it tastes good, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy it personally. But, you know, people do. But as long as it's not intended to be a guilt thing, yes, it is a marketing tool. But I do know, you know, I have a lot of entrepreneurs and business people that listen to the show. I know that much. And, and uh, we have this, we've learned a lot through different business and stuff like that. And I think it's been kind of interesting, you know, to look at give things away. Because people want that, you know, and it draws them in and it gives them a taste of literally taste of, of what you're about. And then they start to go, I actually like this, you know, and these people are generous and they do it every time and I'm going to buy now. And not that it's a guilty thing if it's not that intention, obviously, but more of a way of I want to give back. 
like I actually do want to support you now because you've given to me. And, and I love that too. I love that model and I think it's a, a powerful thing. But you've taken it even that much further with the opportunity to connect with people. And if they don't buy anything, that's cool. Just come in. Just come in. We care about you. So I love that. That's so cool. Now, one other thing I want to go into is you take, a, you close a day a week. Talk about that. I'm closed on Saturdays. And I really believe in the whole Sabbath idea in the Bible that everyone needs to stop one day a week and have a break. So we've had customers in the past fuss at us a little bit because we're closed. We're not open seven days a week. Once I explain it to them, they're always understanding and they, they get it because we only have uh, like 15 employees. And so we all need a day off. <laughs> so that's I do close on Saturdays for that. And we all come back refreshed. And I really, if you don't take a, a, a day off, a week, at least one day off, two would be better. You need to do it because you really do become, for whatever reason you want to take that day off, whether it be spiritual, mental, physical, they all go together, all three. I believe, I believe in very holistic approach to life that you need to eat well. If you want your mental facilities, faculties to work, you need to eat well and you need to take care of your body. You need to exercise and you need a spiritual element in your life. So all three of those have to go together. So if you eat great harvest bread <laughs> and you exercise and you take a day off and get your spiritual um, world together, I think you'll be really healthy and happy. I know other businesses that, that do a very similar thing. I actually tested it because people people say, oh, well, you know, I, I don't believe in that. You know, that's not my religion or that's not my faith or whatever. And that's cool. So I said, well, I'm going to test it regardless of whether you believe in this or not. I'm actually going to go do a science test on this, and I'm going to work 14 days straight. And I did that, and I was a mess at the end of the 14 days. The So this is what's interesting. On the seventh day, right, so you, you're taking a, week, a day off, a week, right? So seventh day, doesn't matter, right? Sixth day, just it, as long as you take one day out of those seven days, yeah, 24-hour period to rest, and uh, I mean, that's why we have weekends, even though not everybody understands that, you know, we work anyway. But um, so I did this test and on the, I believe it was the eighth day, I couldn't focus. It was the weirdest thing. I, my productivity went down, my stress went up, I got sick. And so by the end of that 14 days, I was like, this is a mess. And so then I started saying, well, I'm going to take one day off a week. And I, at the time was like, my, my, you know, my schedule was all over the place. So I just kind of said, I'm just, it doesn't matter what day, as long as I take one day off in a seven day period. And I realized that I, like you said, came back refreshed. I was focused. I got more work done. I could do more in a less period. Yeah, you're happier. It's important to take. And I think it's cool that as a business owner, you are saying we are taking a day off and we're closing the store for, you know, one day a week. Uh, and I know your employees probably appreciate it too. And, you know, you're not trying to kill each, <laughs> trying to kill everybody. Well, no, that's neat. I really appreciate how you've done things. And, and, and that's why I wanted to have you on the show too, because I really believe you have a, a really cool grasp on, you know, one, you've really embraced that inner nerd. I mean, you, you know who you are. I love that. You've implemented it into the unleashing of the superhero. You do make a difference in the community around you, which is so cool. But it also, you know how to run a business and you treat your employees well and they obviously appreciate it. And you really got a lot of great wisdom to share. So thank you so much for sharing it. Thank you for having me, Brian. Of course. All right. So how do we get in touch with you? How do we, what, what do you want us to know about? Let's go there. The website is ghfortcollins.com. And it has our menu, and it also has uh, what sandwiches we make and our hours, and it has a really cool little video on it. So whether or not you uh, live in Fort Collins or not, which I know many, many of you don't, uh, this is a great place to come visit and come get bread. That's <laughs> Julie, thank you again. Thank you for having me. Oh, my gosh. So 
I have a, a little bit of a story here to share that I was kind of curious about. Um, well, there's a personal side of it, and then there's also just kind of a question that I'll pose to you as well. Have you ever been given a chance by someone in your life? And I hope this makes sense. So like, you know, when, when you say, oh man, I wish I could, you know, get my break, you know, or, or get a chance. I wish somebody would give me a chance or take a chance on me. You know what I'm talking about? And you know, whether you're, you know, trying to get the, the job that that's going to further your career or whether, you know, somebody gives you a chance to go on a date with them or, or, you know, entrepreneurially or whatever the case may be, you hear stories. And when I was interviewing successful podcasters, um, there's a lot of, of, podcasts out there that interview successful entrepreneurs and and I've read a lot of the stories you know and and heard them all so I, I do know the stories but I got to thinking that at least a lot of what I've read many of those stories many of them someone has given that person an opportunity or a chance not always there are some people that literally built their success or or whatever it is like Again, they've done it all from scratch by themselves with no help. That's rare, but you know you see those. But a lot of people, I feel like they go out there, they work hard, they do their thing, and they get noticed, or someone or whatever. Someone gives them an opportunity or a chance or whatever to kind of boost their pursuits forward. And so I was curious to know if you've ever been given a chance in your life or if you've been that person to give someone else a chance. Very different than entitlement, right? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about someone that is, you know, giving you an opportunity to move forward, giving you that jump start, taking a chance on you, whatever, whether you actually deserved it or not. I had a lot of interactions with some great people who were learning, you know, the whole podcast thing when I did ProfitCast, whether they were launching a show, growing it, uh, veteran podcasters, whatever, you know, they were all looking for an opportunity to, to, to make it, you know, to really make it with their podcast, to grow, to learn what they needed. Now, I, I'm bringing up the podcast specifically simply because, you know, that's fresh on the mind, right? And podcasting's hard. So whether you're a YouTuber, so whether you are a YouTuber or you're a blogger or whatever, right? Whatever you do, you have a business or maybe you don't care about any of that stuff, You just, but you're doing something in your life, right? You want an opportunity to grow and learn and, and do something with that. But um, the idea of content creation through podcasting, that's what I was doing with ProfitCast, is how do you grow a podcast? How do you make money with it? How do you profit with it? That kind of thing. That's what that show was all about. And so I had a lot of interactions with so many great people. Many of them were all in this place of saying, I'm working hard, but you know, I just can't get my listenership up or, or I just can't seem to make money with this or whatever, right? You know, th- these are the needs that I have. There were those who were working really, really, really hard and investing a lot of time and effort and money into their podcasts and just couldn't get their break for whatever reason. Granted, let's just put these people aside. Some of them were not good. There was a segment of of those who kind of wanted the free lunch, right? They wanted to uh, kind of suck everybody dry, get the knowledge and expertise, blah, blah, blah. Just give it to me for free. You know, I, I just want to magically appear here. Now, granted, you know that I played the piano, right? It took me so many years of practice and hard work and all kinds of stuff to get to where I'm at. And then I would meet people who say, wow, you play so well. Can you teach me to play like that? And I thought, well, first of all, I'm not the best teacher in the world. But second of all, you know, it's going to take a lot of work and time. And they're like, well, I don't, I don't want to do that. I just want to be able to do what you do. I want to play that song you just played. Can you show me how? And I'm like, no, <laughs> it took 20 years to do that. So there are those 
that want the free lunch. They want to be excellent right away and they don't want to work hard for it. So I'm not talking about those people, but I'm talking about those who work hard. They're doing everything right, but they just can't seem to find their, you know, their, their break or whatever it is. And the podcasting industry specifically even has begun to capitalize on making a ton of money from teaching people how to podcast or, you know, whatever. When it comes to the podcasting, there are people out there, they're making a lot of money doing that. And I understand that, right? In my opinion, if you have knowledge and expertise, then it is worth something. Or if you have a talent, it is worth something. Like you deserve to get paid for doing work for someone uh, that you've already put a lot of work and effort into, right? No one should be taken advantage of. I don't believe that. But on the other hand, in the beginning, when somebody's getting started, how many of us have the money or the know-how to just make it happen? So put yourself in these shoes. If you're starting a podcast from scratch, you have absolutely no idea what you're doing. You don't have a lot of money, right? You're, you know, you're working a job or whatever you're doing, but you're trying to figure out how do I put together a podcast or how do I put together a YouTube channel or, or a blog or whatever, right? I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't have that much money to spend, but I'm willing to spend maybe a little bit, but I don't have that much. And you find out that this person here, let's just say the real Brian, the real Brian's going to teach you how to start a podcast, but he's going to charge you $5,000. And you're like, I, I don't have $5,000. I mean, as it is, I'm putting like what all my extra into this podcast, trying to get it up and running. We're talking about the person that says, you know, I'm willing to invest in learning how to start a podcast, but I simply don't have $5,000 right now and I need to get to that point. Someone will put a requirement on it. So for example, I'm going to teach you how to grow your business, but the requirement is, is you have to have a successful business to be part of my coaching program. Or I'm going to show you how to make a lot of money, but it's going to cost you $5,000. Or I'm going to, let's go back to the podcasting. I'm going to teach you how to grow your podcast audience, right? I'm going to get your listener numbers up, but you got to have, you know, let's just say a thousand listeners or 5,000 or 10,000 listeners. You got to have at least that in order to understand. And I'm thinking like, wait a minute, wait a minute. If the whole point of showing somebody how to do all of this stuff is so that they can learn how to do it, then why are you requiring that they already know how to do it? I mean, is it me or am I like, the reason I'm bringing this up is because recently I've had some interactions and experiences with a few different people especially over the last six months. And by the way, great people. All of these people that I'm, I'm, I'm even thinking of are all great people. I respect all of them. And I do believe that, you know, they're, what they have to offer is worth what they're charging. So it's not about that. But I'm, I'm at this like kind of puzzled state of going, what do you do? What's the line with this? Like where and how do you give somebody a chance in life? Oh, let, let me share a couple stories. Let's just do this. Let me, let me share a couple stories. First of all, maybe this will make more sense. So when I played the piano, there was a, a wonderful woman at one of our local churches that uh, basically said, you know what, I, I see your talent and I, I see what you, I see your potential, let's put it that way. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to come play with the church. And she took me under her wing and she showed me a bunch of stuff. And it was really, really cool because without her, I probably would not have had many of the opportunities that I had had later on in life. Now, granted, she didn't pay me. I didn't pay her. It wasn't anything like that. They were looking for musicians. So there was a need. I get that. But at the same time, she did not need to take extra time with me to show me other things that I needed to know when it came to piano and performance and that kind of thing. And another example, which is a very, very powerful example. I was in a business years ago. It was a performance industry. And 
one of my uh well he was uh he was a colleague he was also a competition but he was also a friend you know we lived in different cities and uh, there was kind of a networking group that would get together so even though we technically competed with each other there was plenty of business to go around i was new to the industry uh, i was not new to performance in general and i did know stuff and i was good at the performance side of things but there was a lot of stuff that i i, I mean s- simply just didn't know and for some reason for some reason, you know, we connected, we hung out, we talked. I never asked him for anything. You know, I just did my thing. I, I tried to be of benefit to him. We hung out and one day he, he pulls me aside and he says, dude, I've got some things that I could show you to improve your business. And I thought, okay, you know, what's it going to cost? He's like, nothing. Come to my house. We'll spend a day. We'll just talk over stuff. I'll show you what I do and, and we'll, we'll figure out how we can apply it to your business, personalize it, make it your own thing. And I thought, dude, who does this? I mean, really, who does this? And we spent probably eight hours just going over stuff. He showed me all these things that he did for his business and we applied it. It took me a while to figure out how to make it my own and how to not copy him necessarily, you know, and how to turn it into something that was a little bit more personalized. But because of him taking me under his wing for free, by the way, he never charged me a thing. He wouldn't let me pay him at all. I gave him a gift card. That was the least I could do. Literally, because of what he showed me, it was eight hours of his time, one-on-one. Could somebody have paid him 500 an hour or something like that, and he would have made a killing off that? Yeah, absolutely. But he gave up, donated eight hours of his time, and as a result, I tripled what I charged overnight, and my business tripled within weeks because of what he helped me with. I mean, it was incredible. I didn't know this stuff. I didn't know how. I mean, I would have never learned that. I didn't even know I needed to know that kind of stuff, but it was a very cool way of doing it. And the reason I bring this up is because, again, the interactions that I've had and being in the podcasting industry and being in all this, I see what people are charging and I agree that people do deserve, right? You can't give everything away for free or you can't put food on your table. I get that, right? But there comes a point where not everyone has $5,000 to invest on something. For example, again, this is just the number I threw out. When they're trying to get started, when they're trying to learn, when they're trying to grow their business, they just simply don't have it. And for them to invest or put it on credit is a possibly very detrimental thing to them, right? I'm not trying to take advantage of somebody, but I'm just looking for someone to help me right now. And I'm not looking for a lot of help. I'm looking for eight hours. I'm looking for someone's you know, half a day or maybe even an hour or two for somebody just to talk with me, help me get over this hump right now. I'll do the rest. I mean, have you ever been in that place? Have you ever known someone that's been in that place? Have you ever given someone a chance or been given a chance by somebody? And what's it done for you? Or have you been one of those people that has said, man, I just, I, I can't figure this out. I don't know what to do. And all anybody wants is so much money that I can't afford it. Even though I'm willing to invest in it, I just don't want to spend that money. I don't want to go into debt, right? But you know, I've heard stories of podcasters who have worked very hard and a listener would write them a very sizable check out of the blue and just said, you listen, you've worked hard. You deserve this. Take it. I mean, even the story we talked about with Carl, CJ Thunder, when my computer just went out a few weeks ago and he says, go to your local Apple store you know, a replacement computer is waiting for you. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Like there are people do this. It's somewhat of a question, somewhat of a quandary. What is the solution on giving someone a chance or, or 
taking someone under your wing or or whatever the case may be, you know? And man, I've been the recipient of both. I've been the recipient of, of people who have taken me under their wing and, and you know, people who have, have blessed me in a way that was very unexpected. And then at the other hand, I've been the recipient of, oh my gosh, I'm stuck and I don't know what to do and I'm struggling and the only way out of this is for me to spend more money than I have and or quit. I don't know. I mean, what a, you know what I'm saying? So it's like I, I, there are both sides to this. I just kind of wanted to throw that out there for well, think about it a little bit. Share any stories you have. I'm honestly curious to hear. Maybe there's even a story that you have that's worth having you on and chatting about it. Not just sending me a voicemail or an email, but actually like, hey, come on the show with me. Let's talk about this. Man, one, I would love feedback on this. And two, I would love to encourage you, encourage myself as well. Uh, you know, maybe there, maybe there is that opportunity to give somebody that chance to help them rock it. And I can think of some podcasters that, you know, I interacted with during my profit cast days that I wish I could have given them more time. And at the time I couldn't, um, but there were some that I did. I, I, I gave to them and their businesses or their podcasts grew as a result, whether or not they recognized it, you know, but there were opportunities like that and it was cool. It was neat. I didn't make any money doing it. So I don't know, but there's the balance, right? Got to put food in your table, but at the same time, Sometimes people need a little help. The reason I brought this up is because I've, I've had some experiences recently that have caused me concern or maybe even a little bit of grief, not just against me, but seeing what others, you know, do not necessarily to someone else, but what others do and how it can affect someone. It's just, it was very interesting. All right. Well, that's all I've got. I appreciate it. Thanks for joining me here on the real Brian show. Um, Next week, we will be back. We're going to have a great time as always, but I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you've had a great week and hope you do have a continued great week. Please, please connect with me. Realbrianshow.com. Show notes are there. All of the contact information. You can get in touch with me on uh, Facebook or Twitter if you want, but I'd love for you to join the Facebook group and get in the conversation and uh, let's connect. Seriously, let's connect. That's what the show's about. Encouragement, connection, all kinds of other stuff and nerding out. I'm The Real Brian, signing off. The Real Brian Show is a production of 514 Media at 514mediaempire.com.